Welcome into Two Foreign Drafts. Austin Gale here, the host of Two Foreign Drafts, a rookies and draft prospects podcast. Mike Renner and I are going to review divisional weekend. It was a wild one. A lot of takes to be had here in divisional round. But after that, we're also going to look at Mike's top position rankings for the 2021 NFL draft top five at every single position we're saving our senior bowl preview episode for Monday a lot of takes to be had on this year's senior bowl a lot of fun stuff for the draft it's finally draft season it feels like it's getting closer and closer we're yeah we're reviewing some playoff games but we're going to look at the draft of course first and foremost let's get it By popular demand, we are opening the podcast with the story about my dad and him flipping the Ford Focus. I asked you guys, I think on Wednesday or Thursday, which story do you want between that and my mom going on one of California's um, most wanted lists. But we're going to go with the Ford Focus story. Are you ready, Mike? I have not even heard this one, so I am I'm ready and excited. Quinn, it's an absolute treat. I'm, I'm glad you're here on the call as well. we'll I have not heard this right either. Here. Let's start with my dad, to preface, is an absolute monster in every way, shape, and form. Um, had to quit drinking at 21 because he was just that big of a monster. He has more speeding tickets than birthdays, and it's not even close. <laughs> Going into this, he had been off drinking for a while. He wasn't drinking in this situation. He is driving a Ford Focus, recently purchased, right off the lot, brand new, not a used Ford Focus, in the rain. Going probably above the speed limit. His motto, by the way is you can double the speed limit on any street or highway and survive. So he lives by that, which is obviously a bold take in and of itself. <laughs> but he's driving in the rain, torrential downpour in the rain, and, and moving his way through here. He ends up driving too fast. And if you have never driven in the rain before, if you drive too fast in the rain, you can hydroplane. It's where your, your tires kind of like spin on top of the water. And then the car just 360s three times, flips over, flips over, flips over. He survives. It's fine. He makes it out of the car. He's, however, packing some drugs. He has drugs on him. And he's like, and so talk about the speeding tickets, more speeding tickets than birthdays. He's got some unpaid speeding tickets, a warrant out to get those paid. And in California, I don't know if other states work like this. There's a point system on your driving record. If you get above a certain point total, you can have your license suspended, which would be bad for his job. He was a mechanic. And your insurance just skyrockets. So he's trying to avoid a point as well. He scrambles out of the vehicle. It's completely totaled. In the torrential downpour, tries to grab all the drugs out of the car, doesn't, doesn't success, successfully do that. And then this random couple sees him and says, hey, man, do you need help? He's like, absolutely, jumps in the car. And I wish I could get a picture of my dad on here. He's, he's a menacing-looking dude. He's only like 5'7", five, 5'6", five, but he looks like a, an Italian mobster, but like a dwarf version. You've seen he's, him before. Yeah. How would you describe him? Oh, gosh. Um, yeah, because he's like... Completely bald, right? Yeah, yeah, it's completely and so, bald. And he has a What's mustache, too. I want to say, sorry, sorry. But, like, with a mustache, yeah, also. Yeah, yeah, a goatee. And, he usually yeah, rocks okay, a goatee. goatee. Yeah, I mean, he looks like he looks like a Raiders fan. I'll yeah, just, yeah, yeah. He's, a, he's a Raiders fan through and through. So, gets out of the car, this couple picks him up. They just picked up a bunch of pastries. And they're, they, he's sitting in the back seat. They're up front. He's wet as hell, just coming out of the rain, dirty as hell in the back of this nice car. And he's, they're saying, we got to drive you to the hospital. He's like, no, you can't drive me to the hospital. He's screaming at them. You can't drive me to the hospital. He's like, uh, okay, they're freaking out. And I always like to think of my dad's stories from the perspective of the other people involved. Because they're obviously losing their mind. They tell this same story and are absolutely yeah. losing their mind. But he keeps on telling them no and accidentally knocking over the pastries onto the floor of the car. And he, he keeps picking them up with his dirty, wet hands, putting them back in, knocking them over. And eventually they're like, dude, just stop. Leave them on the car floor. We're fine. We we're calling the cops. He's like, nope, get me out here. Let me out. And he's like, you need to let me out of the car because he can't get the cops called on him. So they let him out on this corner in Oakland. He walks his, his ass home. And he's, he's explaining to my stepmom, who's obviously really, really upset in this situation. Um, he says, hey, I can't say I was driving that thing. Let's blame it on your brother. He said, let's have your brother take the fall for this. And the brother, my, my stepmom's brother's like, so my uncle technically, it's like, absolutely, I'll do it for you, dog. An absolute diehard, a, a oh, lifer. Wow. But my stepmom refuses. She's like, you are not doing this to my brother. My, his brother at the time was only like in his early 20s, could have taken the hit on his record, but like my stepmom was losing her mind. He's like, all right, all right. So yeah, they end up going inside and um, they're thinking about what they're going to do. Because not only does he need to avoid the warrant, 
the point on his record, but he owes over like 30 grand on the Ford Focus because he just bought it. And he's not, he doesn't want to pay that. He just totaled the car. So they're sit, sitting there. They're thinking they don't do anything for a while. Car gets collected. They're, they're calling. They're asking, what do we do? You know, we need to talk to Vince Gale. He owns the car. My great grandma, his grandma dies two days after, three days after that. She was very sick. He says, oh no. He says, oh, you know who's driving the car? My great grandma tells the cops that she was driving the car and because he has really good insurance through his work or whatever, doesn't have to pay the Ford Focus for the rest of it. It gets completely washed in the insurance, avoids the point on his record, and and my bro- my uncle doesn't get on it either. So he gets out of the whole situation, blaming it on my great grandma, who like obviously like she lived to like she was like ninety. So like it's not like a huge deal. Like I, I'm, it, it was unfortunate when it happened, but like it was honestly a little blessing in disguise. He's like I owe her a lot, honestly. She <laughs> she saved him in the back end. So if anyone asks. My great grandma was driving that car. My dad avoids the whole thing. Well, let's hope no Oakland insurance agents or Oakland <laughs> yeah, PD or like the statue. Right is there a statute of limitations on this? Who knows, man? Who knows? But <laughs> my dad avoided avoided disaster and uh, lives to tell the tale. The people are also asking why he hates me, and he came to he came to Cincy for the Raiders game when the Raiders were in town to play the Bengals, and uh, you said it was I think it was a Friday night. They're like, yeah, me and my dad. My dad will come over like 7 p.m. or whatever. And when he shows up, he had been drinking since noon already Dude. at this point. <laughs> he showed up incoherently talking. And so I don't remember exactly why he hated me, but I was like trying to help him out. Mm-hmm. And he thought I was like making fun of him. Dude, I picked by him trying up. To help he, him out. he took a taxi from the airport that weekend and he came yeah. out of it with a joint in hand and gave it to the or the Uber driver and said, hey, you can keep this. In Cincinnati, coming from California where it's legal, it's a little different. Then yeah. that night, he's like, it's a Thursday. And he's like, we have to go out. We have to go. I was like, dude, I have work tomorrow. You can't do this. And like, we go down to the banks. We stay out till like 2 a.m. This is pre-COVID, of course. Yeah. Then the reason he hated you is because we were playing Beard Eye and you kept telling him he couldn't trap it. And you oh, can't. Yeah. That's against the rules. Trying to, yeah. But he just Explain like couldn't catch a die to save his life. That's he was what? like cross-faded out of his mind. And so he, since then... He calls you verbatim. You still hang out with that asshole friend, Mike. He still calls you <laughs> asshole friend, Mike, which is uh, pretty great in of itself. Um, I'll have to think about stories we want to tell in the next pod. There's some options I have. There's, there's, there's some good ones. There's one where my dad wrecked my first car, 65 Mustang, cherry red. Dude, he's living on... It's living, yeah. It's well, that, time. that story's also very good, but maybe we'll tell that a different time. We Let's should go. just get him on the podcast. We might need this to get what my we dad need on to the do. podcast. That's actually not a bad shot. Not a bad shot. All right. Looking at the divisional weekend here, pivoting away from you know committing crimes. It, let's start with Packers Rams. This one went. I don't know what Lamar did this weekend. I qualify. I'm kidding. <laughs> Packers Rams was probably as expected. It was a big favorites weekend. Like favorites went well until Tampa Bay, of course. But I I, I was surprised at that line. I, I didn't think yeah. that the Saints should have been three point favorites, even though they were at home in that game. Start with Packers Rams. Is there a team? You know, left that can really stop this offense. Like if you're oh, beating, the I want to say no. I mean, because this was the best defense. How Aaron Donald at half strength or whatever definitely was not himself. But even just that secondary, he made him look like child's play. It was uh, the offense is very good. Like the, it is incredibly well schemed. You have a very good offensive line, even without the best. You know, pass protecting left tackle in the NFL. It's still a top five, I'd say, top ten offensive line in the NFL. And then. Devontae is just a problem. Like you saw him even when he was against Jalen Ramsey was a problem. Uh, yeah, I think this offense, I, I'm more, not more impressed, but like as impressed right now, like the Packers defense is the reason I think they're still four-point favorites heading into this week against the Bucks. Like they have the horses now to get it done. They have the talent. Like that run defense, that was a massive, massive issue. And why like their Achilles heel, obviously, last year against the 49ers. I think it's, I don't want to say it's fixed completely. I don't want to jinx them that way, but like, it's not the wholesale, this is how you attack them, is by running the football. I think there's, they can shut that down as well now. Do you see this one being, I think the total right now for Packers Bucks is 54, or no, no, 51, and Packers favored by four. Where are you leaning right now on that line? I can't even, I can't even talk. I'm like too close to this one because I think <laughs> I'm hopefully going to be going to the game. My brothers were at the game this past weekend trying to get tickets for this game this upcoming weekend hopefully fingers crossed going to be there and i i can't i can't say anything because i know it's if i 
get too confident. It's going to come back. Don't get too confident. Four, four is an interesting one. I expected this one to open at three, where you most, where you largely see these games land. But at four, a lot of me wants to lean Tampa Bay. But weather's a factor. Green Bay's a juggernaut right now. Um, I wasn't surprised that they beat the Rams down like they did, as good as that defense was. And I know Brandon Staley got hired what like five minutes after the final whistle. But I, Aaron Donald was not playing himself. Mm -hmm. And I think even if you do have as good of defense as the Rams had this year, like. Better offenses win. I had someone, my um, the guy who's the front desk at the building I live at, said, "Hey, I have some analysis for you." He knows I like working football. The best quarterbacks in the NFL win. So yeah, well, I mean, to be, I know he's making a joke, but like this is how it works. Like deep in the postseason, if you want to make deep postseason runs every year, you need to have the best quarterbacks in the NFL. Four of the five highest graded quarterbacks in the NFL this year, according to PFF, are in the postseason. The only one that's not. Deshaun Watson, mm. which is absolutely absurd in and of itself, the fact that he only won four games. But I really do think that the highest-performing quarterbacks are what take you deep, and Jared Goff just isn't isn't that. Can we use this as an opportunity to talk about the future of the Rams and what do they do with Jared Goff? Well, it's what I've been – it's what we've been banging the table for here at PFF for probably the past three or four years now. It's that, the one, the game has changed. The game has distinctly changed from 20 years ago. The tenets that won you football games – 20 years ago are not the same because it's a different game completely. Offenses are far too powerful. Passing game has become far too powerful. You have to invest in that on both sides of the ball, investing in being the best pass game you can be and being the best pass coverage team you can be. So like that has changed. Uh, kind of lost my train of thought there. I had another point <laughs> that I completely forgot. No, the passing game has changed. We're talking about Jared Goff and the future he has with the Rams. Like mm-hmm. They can't trade him i think they can trade him and save money i don't know what oh, okay, trade for him my second point was going to be that and yes you can still make the playoffs with a good rushing team mm-hmm. you can for, you could be the titans last year and this year you can be the browns you can do that but to win super bowls to then get through the playoffs to then beat the likes of patrick mahomes josh allen aaron Rodgers, tom brady you have to be elite in either as a passing team or in coverage you cannot still keep running the ball and think you're going to beat these teams in the playoffs you can get there you're not going to get super bowls that's was my final point. And I'd even take that argument a step further and say, you could go to the Super Bowl with a mid-tier quarterback. You could, yeah, I mean, you Jimmy could G last box year. into that. You Absolutely. did with Jimmy G last year, but they had the best pass defense in the NFL. Yeah. The 49ers did. But if you, you want to consistently go, if you want to consistently go to the championship round, if you want to consistently go to the Super Bowl, you need a very good quarterback, a top three, top four quarterback in the NFL. And if you don't, you're not going to consistently get there. And that's why you can't settle at the position. I always say this. You can't pay a quarterback. You need to pay the quarterback. And when you pay a Jared Goff, a Carson Wentz, yeah. Derek Carr, you find yourself in the situation where you can't go the distance. You can't build enough around him to win deep in the postseason. And that, I think, is an easy transition to these next games here. Because I want to talk about... Oh, I do have one more thing to admit for go the ahead. Packers-Rams game. After that Alan Lazar touchdown that put it basically out of reach, two scores... Dry January ended. I, you, when you texted me, I was like, not surprised. You went probably six, you know, 12 days. days over the line because I think I had it at two or three days yeah. with some bets on the side. But you, it, you it, went deeper than I thought. It was like it's like nature versus nurture. Like the nature of being born in Milwaukee, being a Packers shareholder, like I, I just opened a Miller Lite and I had to drink it. It like went down like – like water like it was basically edge. it felt like drinking water to me so that I, maybe it's maybe technically <laughs> if it makes you feel any better there's a lot of dry januaries that have ended this weekend and a <laughs> lot of people whose dry januaries did not go as planned yeah i love that you just described it as nature versus nurture <laughs> nature that's wins incredible. out always that's incredible um well i wanted to jump to the next games here I, and i'm sorry dry january ended i'm happy because now i get my friend back you know i'm hitting you up every weekend you're like yeah i'm working <laughs> i'm drinking a coors edge crying i mean not crying that's where you're at right now but i was I'm glad crying. you're back he's back but you talk about paying a quarterback, not the quarterback. Two quarterbacks that are in this conversation to be the next guys paid, Lamar Jackson and Baker Mayfield, both yeah. lost this weekend. Yeah. Buffalo Bills beat down the Baltimore Ravens. He leaves that game with a concussion. But the big play there was the pick in the red zone where he completely didn't see Taron Johnson, who went returned it 101 yards for a pick six. That pretty much put the game out of yeah. reach for Lamar Jackson. And for the Browns, even when Chan Hattie came in, they still couldn't – they didn't have enough firepower – they didn't make enough good decisions with the football, throwing the ball to win that football game, which I thought was a winnable game on the road. But where are you right now? And I know you're writing an article for PFF.com yeah. on extending Lamar Jackson and Baker Mayfield. Because if you do, you have to know this. 
If you do, you're going to have to make those two guys top five paid at their position. That's how the league works. They're going to be top five in the NFL in average annual salary if you do extend them next year or the year after. So I'm of the opinion that the team that should right now is the Browns with Baker Mayfield. And to me, it's because you can get him at the lowest right now. You can get him kind of towards the bottom of the market. Like it, He was exceptional the second half of the season. He only had seven turnover-worthy plays in his last 10 ga- 12 games, excuse me, including the postseason. Like He was not making mistakes with the football. He was very accurate with the football. This was the guy that we thought we would see coming out of Oklahoma. He just wasn't – it was still just a very run-heavy offense. When they did put the ball in his hands, when it was – when they did have to pass, you saw a guy who was a very, very – good quarterback still and I think that's kind of what you expect coming out of Oklahoma this was like the next step in his career and so I think you can get him towards the low end of the market though because his stats still aren't exceptional like you're he's not going to outpace someone like a Russell Wilson with his contract if you were to sign to that extension now you could get him for like a 34 million dollar a year 33 million dollar a year that's when you can you can kind of make up that difference because if he plays two more years like this, they, they start to pass a little more. That offense advances with, more, uh, you know, year two, year three, and Stefanski. All of a sudden, it's forty plus million dollars a year because that's just the way co- quarterback mm-hmm. contracts have gone. Twenty eight million dollars a year was the high in twenty eighteen. Only a couple of years ago, I guess that's three years ago now, was twenty eight million dollars a year was the highest paid contract in the NFL. Now it's up forty five. So that's going to go higher and higher with these guys. The one I'm hesitant about signing though is Lamar number of reasons once because he's going to ask for more he's going to he, he want has an mvp he has an mvp yes he is going to ask for more than deshaun watson he won an mvp but it is impossible to ignore at this point his performance in the playoffs no not being good his overall grades in the playoffs 46.2 62.7 68.1 48.7 those are his four games when it matters most i actually looked up the splits on this today his grades against teams that play in ohio for his career over 90 against everyone else it's 76 oh wow he has feasted on the browns and the Bengals. he can dominate bad defenses but when it is a well-schemed defense he kind of shrinks up now some of that might be you know off coordinator greg roman as well that has been kind of his mo throughout his career when he was with san francisco in buffalo and now here even though i mean the quarterbacks he coached there didn't do anything without him either so uh i don't i, I just would be hesitant to give him that Deshaun Watson money after what we saw from him this year and again in the playoffs. Quinn, you have to play the clip from Steve Smith on NFL Network where he talks about Greg Roman and the simplicity of that offense. Play it right now. Yeah, I mean, when you're watching this offense in a run game, and I speak from a wide receiver's perspective, that you know, there are times stories are coming out that some of the wide receivers can't get a separation. Well, when you're running the, the type of route combinations, very uh, elementary school, very... A Cracker Jack-like, uh, very easily to defend, you can't necessarily put it all on the wide receivers if you have, hey, you two go deep, you two go shallow, and Lamar throw to whoever's open. That, that's just not the NFL. That's not the complexity of the NFL, and their passing game is not very complex. And so I just believe Greg Roman is a fantastic coordinator. However, that fantastic coordinator needs to start looking for a job somewhere else because I believe that his time has expired on this offense here. If you want Lamar Jackson to continue to be a stellar quarterback, an MVP type of quarterback, you have to implement a second um, notch or a third level of the passing game that makes it a little bit more complicated because it's not very complicated. And my six-year-old who's sleep right now can probably run this offense as well. I think that is a very good take from Steve Smith. Greg Roman yeah. has put together a simplistic offense that defenses are countering and and, and catching up on. I think there should be legitimate concern with Lamar Jackson's play in the postseason, but there should be equally, if not more, concern with how Greg Roman has put this offense together. And maybe some of that is because you want to make it simple for Lamar Jackson, and maybe he's hamstrung in that way, but still, you have to find a way to get more creative. To quote Steve Smith, it can't be elementary concepts where defenses are catching on so quickly. Because I think Greg Roman has shown his ass as much as Lamar Jackson has in the postseason. Because people are catching up to both of those guys. No, and I will say, and that's, like I said, that was his MO, and that's why people hated him in San Francisco. That's why people hated him in Buffalo. But like I said, what did Colin Kaepernick and Tyrod Taylor do without him? They did not put up the numbers that they put up with him. Like, it's almost impossible to remove an offensive coordinator from the quarterback position. 
Like, is he is the offense simplistic because that's what's best for the guy at the quarterback position, or is the offense simplistic because that's all Greg Roman knows? I'm not sure at this point, but I'm just saying that he has a proven track record of success, but also coming up short when it matters most. All right, last game to touch on here, and then we'll jump to the court, uh, the prospect rankings for the 2021 NFL Draft top five at each position. Bucks Saints end of an era, man. Mm. Drew Brees hanging it up after that... this. All reports point to him hanging it up after this season, last game in the Superdome. I mean, they're not, they shouldn't let him not hang it up. Like they should, if he's not hanging it up, he's not playing with the Saints next year. You can't, you cannot bring him back. I'm sorry. There's just, would you rather have Drew Brees? Everyone and their mother knew to bench, knew like that the best thing that gave him the best chance to win and like somewhere along the line in the third quarter would have been to bench Drew Brees. Everyone watching that game. That would have been so sad. It would have been, but everyone knew it, and they just couldn't do it because it's Drew Brees. He's he's the guy there. Like he has, he has won the Saints Super Bowl. He is like a New Orleans legend for life. But that was not. That was it. Just never. You just knew it was almost like watching a car crash in slow motion. You just knew it wasn't going to end well. It just wasn't going to. Whether it was this week or him going to Lambo would have been even more of a car wreck. I think in the cold, throwing it three yards down the field every pass. <laughs> Because would, it, the arm's just not there. Would you rather have Big Ben or Drew Brees in 2021? Uh, Big Ben. Really? I don't think that's close. Man. And now I don't want either. Yeah. But uh, I, I really just think this is like end of line. Like Peyton Manning got lucky to have the best yes. defense in the NFL carry on, but that was kind of similar to Manning, how he looked. That's what Drew Brees him. needed. Yeah. If he was going to go out with a bang, he needed a defense and, and an overall team that mm-hmm. could just lead him and carry him deep in the postseason to where they could win a Super Bowl because he wasn't doing it, which is unfortunate to say because he's one of the all-time greats. Since 2006, which was when PFF first started grading NFL games, he is the third-ranked quarterback behind Rodgers and Brady in PFF grade. That's how good he's been. He was, in his prime, one of the best deep-passing quarterbacks in the NFL. He led consistently year after year in total deep passing yards in the NFL. He's the only quarterback with multiple seasons over 5,000 passing yards. Multiple seasons. Every other quarterback that's done it has only done it once. He's done it five times. I mean, he's going to go down as one of the best ever. He's still a first ballot Hall of Famer, in my opinion, even though he does only have one Super Bowl ring. Are you, are you in agreement with that? You think he's first ballot? Yes, I think so. Uh, On the opposite side of the spectrum, I don't think it's Tom close. Brady is playing like some of the best football of his career. <laughs> like he's still, like, he's an older quarterback in the NFL playing at a very, very high level. I am not... 100% convinced, like I said, that spread for Packers Bucks is four in favor of Green yeah. Bay. This is going to be a game. Like, I think both of these offenses are playing really, really well right now. Don't count out Tampa Brady. Yeah. And the thing, I, I'm i pissed at myself because I pulled these numbers on Saturday and forgot and forgot to mention it on the uh, draft, the pregame show that we did. But Todd Bowles, that Bucks defense, the first two times they played, when they played press coverage, even even on like the run plays that pre- played press coverage on the, the snaps they played press coverage the Saints offense had a negative EPA per play on the snaps they didn't play press coverage it was like 0.15 EPA per play this past weekend Todd Bowles only seven snaps not in press coverage the entire game he's got some dogs in the secondary so they played they they realized that the armor shot get up everyone up at the line of scrimmage and force him no matter what to throw anything down the field to beat you and they they couldn't he just couldn't I mean, we talked to Calvin Ridley, and he said, you know, he, he didn't want to mention any defensive backs that gave him trouble. But what he did say is Tampa has some good ones. And yeah. we've talked about, I've said it at least multiple times on this podcast, how much I love the strategy Tampa Bay has done on just investing in the secondary mm-hmm. with high draft capital. You know, with Sean Murphy Bunting, Carlton Davis, Jamel Dean, like just keep throwing resource at it until you hit. Because now they have three really physical corners that can play press coverage to Todd Bowles' yeah. liking. And they did it against Michael Thomas and company. Michael Thomas didn't have a catch. Mm-hmm. He didn't catch a ball. Drew Brees' son had more catches in that game. Well, it was after the game, but still. Tom Brady threw him a dime in the back of the end zone. Unfortunate stuff for the Saints. They go home packing. I don't know what they do at the quarterback position. They're in a similar spot. No, not similar, but both the Rams and the Saints are in a bad spot at quarterback. Saints have to find a guy. Maybe it's Jameis. Maybe it's Taysom. And the Rams are kind of stuck with Jared Goff when I think overall he's pretty limiting. Um, interesting stuff for sure. All right, let's take a quick Short break here and then jump into the 2021 NFL Draft Rankings by position. (sighs) PFF and Action Pro are teaming up. Subscribe to PFF's Elite Annual Subscription using promo code ACTION to receive a year of Elite Subscription access and 
one year, 365 days of Action Pro subscription access for just $199.99. Action Pro is Action Network's premium subscription offering tailor-made to make avid and new bettors better. This is a limited-time offer that is currently only made available now through the Super Bowl. This offer only applies to first-time elite annual subscribers. In these uncertain times, life is full of questions. Like, when should I start thinking about life insurance? But however difficult these questions may be, Western and Southern can help you answer them. Backed by over 130 years of experience, together we can look ahead to leave the unknown behind. Western and Southern Financial Group, life insurance, retirement, and investments. Compensated endorser, products issued by member companies of Western Southern Financial Group, Cincinnati, Ohio. This article comes out for PFF.com, I think it's tomorrow. Yeah. Tuesday. So you guys get a free preview. Get a free preview beforehand. But this one comes out Tuesday morning. Uh, position rankings here. Let's start with the quarterback. I'm going to read the five. Yeah. And then we'll just, just touch on some highlights. Touch on yeah. some big names here. Sure. Number one, Trey Lance. No, just kidding. Trevor Lawrence of Clemson, they're at one. Zach Wilson of BYU at two. Justin Fields uh, of Ohio State at three. I think there's a little bit of a gap here. And then it's Trey Lance. North Dakota State at four, and then Mac Jones uh, at five of Alabama. Am I right to say there is a gap between the top three and Lance, or is it closer yeah, than people? I, I think there is, because um, you got three guys that are the top three. That's like all the tools that you want, and the performance is matched on the football field. Trey Lance, all the tools you want, performance not quite matched yet, like not quite there. So I, I do think Mac the Jones top- in an opposite tier where the performance has been great, but he does not have all the, the tools, tools you, want. you want. Yeah, and so. The interesting one here, though, the debated one, the one's going to get debated, Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, ad nauseum. Talk to my boy Bruce Gratkowski, QB guru here at PFF, Toledo legend. He and grades he's every on, single throw. He's all on board with Zach Wilson. Oh, he is said, he? Yeah. yeah. He said he loves Fields, the leadership aspect, thinks he's going to be great. Wilson's just, he's like, he's that guy. So, uh, and that always makes you feel good when Bruce. Bruce Gratkowski's Bruce on board. Same. Jordan yeah. Palmer on that interview. We, we numbered every single episode, by the way. We went back and numbered every single episode on the podcast to, to help Best you guys suggest, find yeah. them. I don't know the number off the top of my head, but the Jordan Palmer Double interview, up. the guy said, like, Zach Wilson could be the second quarterback off the board. And at the time, we kind of, we were like, whoa, really? And now, watching more tape and, and, and comparing him to Lance and Fields, it's like, yeah, no, he, he probably should be the second quarterback off the board. Uh, where do you feel comfortable taking Mac Jones? Because I think oh, he's so hard this. to place. He's so hard to place in mock drafts. Because, like, you need a quarterback. It's the most valuable position. Let's take him top 10. But in a league that's driven by quarterbacks with tools and the ability to play outside of structure and make these off-platform throws, Mac Jones isn't that guy. How comfortable are you spending a top 10, top 15 pick on Mac Jones? I pulled the greatest Mac Jones stat for the draft guys, which you guys are going to love this thing. Um, he So Joe Burrow last year, throws he had into a tight window, completions he had into a tight window, 124. Mac Jones, all of this entire year, 44 oh my god three times as many joe burrow had that that's why you're not seeing the hype like that's why it's just until you see a guy have to do that i I don't know if you could trust i'd love to hear that same number on tua yeah i I should have pulled that one too but it's it's just a different level of comfort you feel because hitting guys who are wide open is there is a lot of guys that can do that in the NFL right now. There's more than 32. If you could give them wide open receivers every single time and clean pockets, mm-hmm. a lot of guys will put up very good stats. That doesn't happen a lot in the NFL. And according to PFS ball charting, he wasn't even as accurate with those open windows as Zach Wilson, yeah. as um, Justin Fields. So, like th- There are other more accurate quarterbacks on our ball, lo- ball location charting in college than even Mac Jones. Yeah, and it's one of those things like, I'm not going to hate on anyone for drafting a quarterback. If you go to our mock draft simulator, like you'll get an A plus, I think, for any time you draft a quarterback, no matter who it is. It's a little broken right now, uh, the logic there. But I just, it's one, of, it's one of those things where like you, you can set your sights higher. Yeah, we talk about the guys that get you to the place you want to go are the top five, top eight type of quarterbacks in the NFL. Can Mac Jones be that? The Jimmy G's of the world. You could win with them. You could win a Super Bowl with them. Everything has to be perfect. Is Mac Jones Jimmy G where he's just like a, a fine star in the league, probably a top 25 quarterback in the league, but not a top 10? I think that's maybe more the range he'd fall in mm-hmm. once he gets to the league. But it's it's tough to say. It's really tough to project out. And like I said, that offense is just difficult. So I, if you drafted him, if you are the 49ers and you drafted him, I'm not going to hate on that. I probably wouldn't if I was them, though. 
you have a hot take here in the running back rankings. People are going to be upset. You have Travis Etienne of Clemson at one, which I'm completely on board with, and I think you'll see a lot of people argue for that. Then, though, Javante Williams, North Carolina, a PFF favorite. He's going to be a PFF favorite this entire draft process. He broke the record for force missed tackles per attempt, and his yak per attempt is stupid. Mm -hmm. Eric Eager wrote a piece for the site looking at college pro projections for Williams, and it's all nuts. Like, this guy has done very well from a predictive metric standpoint. Then, at three, you have the Alameda's finest, Alameda County's finest, Najee Harris, of, oh, no, Antioch, sorry. Najee Harris of Alabama. Right. And then Michael Carter, Javante Williams' teammate, North Carolina at four. And Kenneth Gainwell of Memphis at five. Explain to me why you take Javante Williams over Najee Harris. I mean, because he's better. That's right. Let's go. No, but 70, 75 broken tackles on 157 attempts this year. The highest rate we've ever seen from a running back in college football of seven years doing this. And that's just, that's pretty insane. Like that, 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 and he's got all the physical tools also, like physical tools wise, size, speed, explosiveness. Probably better than Najee Harris. Like were, the reason you're leaning Najee Harris because he was just in the national championship game and it looked cool when he breaks tackles. Like, he also has like touchdown record for days, right? I yeah, mean, his, like it's good volume stats, but like for as much as we know about the running back position being a product of those around you when you are playing behind the best offensive line in college football. You're going to look good. Like a lot of guys would have put up nice stats this year and gotten a lot of hype behind that Alabama offensive line. Javante Williams did it by North Carolina offensive line. That's not going to have nearly as many guys drafted. So I just, I don't know. I'm not drafting either of them. We're probably going to get drafted because of our feelings about the running back position, but that's how I would want them, rank them. You say that kind of condescending. The correct feelings about the running back position. Well, I don't want to like say we're correct on stuff. That's like... You don't how, think you don't think that we're right on that you shouldn't take running backs like inside the top twenty? Oh, okay. No, yeah, I I think so about that, but Najee Harris could go like eighteen. Like you could okay, see, yeah, that's you could see Najee Harris go like as high as in the top twenty. And I think both the, I've heard from McShay, I think General Jeremiah has said it. Both these running backs, Etienne and Najee Harris, could go in the first round, yeah. which I just think is too rich. And another thing about big backs, they look better in college. When you're 6'2", 230, 6'2", is also ridiculously tall for a running back. You get chopped down in the NFL. Derrick Henry's 245, 250. That's a different animal in terms of like size. He was going to be bigger than NFL linebackers too. But when you're 230, you're bigger than college linebackers. You're a grown man among boys. When he gets to the NFL, he's going to be the same size as the linebackers tackling him. He's going to be probably less explosive than most of the linebackers tackling him. Like That phys- inbuilt physical advantage that makes it look awesome when you eat shots and just keep chugging in college mm. is it quite there when you get to the nfl not a lot of there's not a lot of like backs who win purely with that physical advantage and the ones that do look like derrick henry and aj Dillon, where they're enormous and still physically imposing six two two thirty is not going to be that at the nfl level your, just, your mantra in college was eat shots and keep chugging wasn't it or did you where'd you put it was just from? eat wholesale <laughs> it was a big i used to do eating contests back in college i was good at those. what's the, what's one of the wildest ones you've done like you just you know like go to the bar and they have like oh like a for volume pound, or for four like pound spice? Bur- like four pound burger and two pounds of fries something like that and oh you get it for God. free those are until you've had to to stuff down two pounds of french fries you don't understand how awful that is i don't I want to i puked afterwards i made myself puke afterwards because you feel like just oh. absolute butt and it was just like it, it, you know usually when you puke usually you puke. every other time when you puke it like shoots out it was just falling out because it was like mashed oh, potatoes. Dude, please stop. That took a turn, but... <laughs> that is wild. All right, eat shots, keep chugging. Let's chug along here. Wide receivers. Uh, this is another one where I feel like, you know, some people won't be on board with this. Wide receiver one, Jamar Chase of LSU. Wide receiver two, one spot ahead of Devontae Smith on the big board is Jalen Waddell. Then you have Devontae Smith, obviously. And then at four, I think there's a gap here between Smith and this next guy. Yeah. Rashad Bateman at four of Minnesota and Chris Olave at five of Ohio State. I have a couple takes here. One, the earliest I'm taking Devontae Smith in the 2021 NFL draft is six. Oh, That's the earliest I'll take him. And that's barring that all three quarterbacks, the first three on our board, and Panay Sewell and Jamar Chase are off the board. Mm -hmm. Then, So at six of the Eagles, if that happens, I'm taking Devontae Smith. Because there's a conversation between Smith and Waddle. We had that in the last podcast. What do you want at the receiver position? Do you want absolute juice or a guy that creates consistent separation like Smith has? Mm -hmm. And I'm sprinting the card in. So the earliest I'll take him at six. 
I'm sprinting the card in for Devontae Smith if he does fall to the 9, 10, 11, 12 range because I do think that there is a gap between some of these high-end guys like Smith and some of these other players at different positions because it's not like a particularly elite cornerback class. There's not a Jeffrey Okuda in this class. The edge class we've talked about not being that good. Mm-hmm. At offensive tackle, I think it's Sewell, and then I take Smith over the other guys. I think the earliest I take... Devontae Smith is six, and even that is too low. I've seen mocks where, like, if yeah. you don't have him inside at two or three, you're you're doing it wrong, and I, I I can't get on board with that. See, if I am, well, two is obviously crazy, but like, Dolphins are a team that's gonna be rumored to Devontae Smith because the wide receiver position is not great. Tua there and Tua in that connection. But if you could tell me, and, and I think there's a very good chance of this, so four and five on this list, Rashad Bateman, Chris Olave, you could tell me that I can get one of those in the second round. And I think you'll be able to. Don't put, don't quote me on that. We're too far out to say for sure. But I think you'll be able to get one of those two at the top of the second round. I'm not drafting a wide receiver in the first round. I'm not. I don't think the gap between Jamar Chase and Chris Olave is so much to me that I would be willing to draft one of these that's wide receivers. That's a good take. I think that's a great take because I think those guys are exceptional in their own right in terms of they will get open at the NFL level. I also have a take, and it's a disagreement yeah, with your board. With my Chris board. Olave is a better receiver prospect than Bateman. Oh. I like Olave over Bateman. That's, I mean, eye of the beholder. You, I, 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 I could see that. Olave's faster. Better separator. Maybe a little bit better route runner. More consistency on the outside. Very good ball skills. Very that gets underrated skills. with Olave. Olave, though, not been great after the catch over the course of his career. He's no, he's slight, bad after the catch. Slight guy. <laughs> kind of like, almost like uh, Calvin Ridley. Calvin Ridley's very good. You're not going to throw him a bunch of screens and ask him to break tackles like that's not his and game. I don't want to the yeah. offense I'm yeah. running it's Bruce that's Arians on, on steroids baby. Oh, okay. our average depth of target at 14 Bruce Arians might already be on steroids <laughs> he seems like the kind of guy who would just you know try it just to see what's alright probably Let's not show a lot of he has I don't right. think that's that hot of a take either and if anything it's praising Devontae Smith that the earliest I take him is 6 and the late not the latest but like where I'm sprinting the card in is that 8 to 12 range like yeah it's worth it at that value let's go but I even like your take more that like hey the difference between these top three guys and the guys I can get the top of the second yeah. is not vast enough for me to avoid the position entirely, which I think Nate Tice has talked about that, about position scarcity, specifically at the receiver position, um, and how how it's easier to find guys and it's maybe more replaceable than people give it credit for. All right, tight end here. I disagree that's more replaceable, but it's just like uh, there are a lot of buy types that win. Yeah. It's true. It's true in Tinder, too. Um, tight end, Kyle Pitts. <laughs> Well, for you, maybe. <laughs> Kyle Pitts of Florida at one. Pat Fryermuth of Penn State at two. I like that. Brevin Jordan, the Miami kid at three. Hunter Long, Boston College at four. The contested catch monster. Hunter Long, yeah. his entire highlight tape is just contested catches. And it's a big reason why he graded really well this year. And then after that, number five, Tony Poljan of Virginia. It wasn't, he didn't sneak into the top five until just today, Jeremy Rucker. Yeah. of Ohio State Declared. is returning back to Columbus to play in college. And we didn't mention this. Devontae Smith has taken his trip, his, his talents to Mobile. Yeah, just to do interviews. Just to do interviews. Pretty lame. I saw that come out on the Reese's Senior Bowl Twitter account, and I was excited excited because like Devontae Smith going against – the best corner there is Elijah Molden. Mm-hmm. He's probably going to play like slot safety in the NFL. He was going to put on an absolute show. But I forgot that he like broke his thumb or something in the championship. So he won't be playing or participating in the drills, but it'll be um, – Interviewing with coaches and stuff like that. So we'll see Devontae Smith and Mobile. Well, we won't be there, but he'll be there. Yeah. Let's talk about the side end, though. Class. After, honestly, it's you want the top two, and then that's kind of it. You kind of kind of like last year. There's just some some guys. Brevin Jordan's an interesting name. He's all, he's tight end in name only, though. Like, the guy's 235, 62, 230. Like, he's an H-back. He's almost... He's, uh, Gerald Ed- Gerald he's Najee Harris lines. size. Like he's basically <laughs> Najee Harris, but he, he's, they call him a different position. Um, yeah, I mean, we, we've said that there's not a lot of true difference making the tight end position. Cal Pitts is one. Fryermuth, I think, if you're actually using your tight ends a run blocker a lot, which like that is where the NFL is going. If you actually have a tight end, he better be able to run block because if not, you want a slot receiver playing. Mm-hmm. That doesn't help you to have a guy who can't who runs a four eight running the seam. You're that guy's never getting open. So. Uh, like I said, you want one of the top two, Brevin Jordan. If you kind of got a role for him in your offense, by all means. And then after that, it's just some guys. Unfortunate. I think we say that about the tight end class every year. 
but um, yeah, yeah we'll do the a little bit more about Pat Fryermuth. I feel like he's not a guy we've brought up a ton on the podcast because yeah, he did opt out of the 2020 season. But midway through. His, he played like four games. Oh, did he play yeah. four games? Oh, felt like he opted out. His 2019 like tape, though, there's a lot to like. I mean, yeah. people make the comparisons to Gronkowski and like you see some of it. Like he's a physical ass dude who is tough to bring down. Yeah, he's not going to be, it's all about expectations. I think he's going to be more like, old school tight ends. He's not going to be George Kittle. He's not going to be Travis Kelsey. You're not going to line him up and ask him to win one-on-one. But very good ball skills, will win contested catches, and can offer some after the catch in terms of physically, like kind of like how Rob Gronkowski did, where he wasn't going to shake you. But a 265-pound man who's as strong as Fryman is a little difficult to bring down with when you're like 195-pound safety. So that he kind of wins in a very different way than Kyle Pitts, but can actually be your inline blocker. Offensive tackle, Penne Sewell of Oregon at one. Then we have Rashawn Slater, the Northwestern offensive tackle at two, opted out this season. Christian Derisaw of Virginia Tech. I watched all of Derisaw versus Quincy Roche and all of Derisaw versus Carlos Basham. Handled and, them. And it wasn't even close. Handled them. Quincy Roche was awful in that game. And he went up against him, I think, 42 pass rush snaps. And I don't think had like a clear win on tape. Yeah. And Basham, I think it was only like a handful. But like still, Basham, I thought was going to bully the kid, and just not not the case. Again, those are the two the two best edge defenders Slater saw, or, or not Slater, Darisaw saw. <laughs> this tackle class is good. It is a very good tackle class. Darisaw, you're going to hear a lot more about him. It wouldn't surprise me at all if he ends up going like top ten, top twelve. I think he's that good. So at four, he's you have a- Tevin Jenkins. Sorry to flesh out the list. Mm-hmm. Tevin Jenkins of Oklahoma State at four, and then Sam Cosme of Texas at five. The th- the thing I want to ask you about Darius after watching him, what's your opinion of his feet? Because you watch Sewell and you watch Slater, and the fluidity and and the feet move so much quickly. No, he's so much not- more quickly than and then Darius. Darius is a plotter a little bit. Yeah, he's more of a guy that's so the. The the guy who reminded me of just the way he moves as a prospect was Eric Flowers. Where like Eric Flowers is not a nimble big man, but as soon as he hits you once, like you're toast. Like he had reps against Roche where he hit him with one punch and like threw him to the ground mm-hmm. with just a right paw. There's a handful of those reps on his tape yeah, where he's like just he, bullying kids accidentally. In ox, I think was the word I used to describe him in the draft guy, like where he is just a more powerful than everyone he's going up against. And when you have that, no one's going through you. Like that is just a nice starting point. And while he's not terribly athletic and nimble, like he's plays with good balance. He's not falling to on his turf. He's not overextending and trying to get that first punch in on guys and getting shed. Like he is kind of like uh I guess Ryan Stanley is probably the best pass protector in the NFL that's I don't want to say in that mold, but like not super great feet. Ryan Stanley's not the quickest dude. But he's very measured and not getting out of control. Ever. Like just a, a guy who could have played a different sport also probably and been good. You just see that coordination there. Yeah, if you yeah, if you aren't nimble or quick, you better be balanced because mm-hmm. you got to be able to withstand some of the some of the blows there. But Darius's tape is is some of the most fun tape. And he went against like you mentioned, Roche, uh, Basham. He went against good talent. Like he one of the highest grade seasons we've ever seen in a tackle position, and it's not like. Uh, Brady Christian this year, 96 point overall grade. Didn't fa- face maybe one guy who will play in the NFL. That's not what Darius. Darius was almost weekly. Like the ACC had some good edge rushing talent, and he handled all of them. All right, let's jump to into your offensive line. Like that humble tease or subtle tease of the draft guide that comes out Monday, January 25th, 2021. NFL draft guide comes out to Edge and Elite subscribers. Subscribe to make sure that Mike has a job in 2022. Right? Yeah. I mean, that's the reason you do it. That's still up in the air. It's still up in the air. It always is. You didn't commit to your dry January. I was that doesn't say, show I, commitment. I didn't, get, I, I, I didn't get the extension I was looking for. <laughs> I'm scouting from an off-field perspective. The fact that you can't commit to a dry January. No. It, it, it can't commit to a girlfriend. Well, too soon. Too soon. Interior offensive line. Let's look at Elijah Vera Tucker of USC at one. Wyatt Davis at two of Ohio State. Landon Dickerson, the big, mean Landon Dickerson. Dickerson 69, as Quinn likes to call him. Mm. Alabama. Four, you have Creed Humphrey of Oklahoma. And then at five, Ben Cleveland of Georgia. Those last two, I think both of those guys will be at the Senior Bowl. Creed Humphrey and Ben Cleveland. And I think Landon Dickerson Landon Dickerson's actually going as well. Even with, so he has torn ACL, but he's the kind of guy to where when he gets drafted, every single draft analyst would be like, I love this pick. Everyone's going to love this. It's going to be, this is going to be every single person's favorite player because just the way he plays the game, like offensive line coach's dream. I think this is like his fifth year of college. He transferred from 
Where do you transfer from? Uh, Miami. Miami. Or no, Florida State. Okay. Uh, and he's just all, by all accounts, I mean, he's the guy who came in the last two plays to kneel it down at the end, suited up with a torn ACL for the national championship game. Just like everyone's going to love this guy. And, and with good reason, I think he's going to be a very good center. Reminds me of kind of like Ryan Jensen of the Bucks, where he's Ooh. just the meanest dude. And, and you're going to want to go to war with him every single play. And, and you need that along the offensive line. Yeah. You, know, you don't want to go on, you don't want to be on ESPN when Booger McFarland's talking about your offensive line like he was with the Steelers calling you soft, tweeting out toilet paper emojis to the Steelers. You don't want that. Landon Dickerson is going to keep huh. you from that level of disrespect because the guy's an absolute monster. And there's, he, a, there's a clip, I think, in the. Who did they play before they played Ohio State? I'm blanking. In the playoff, Notre Dame. <laughs> I dare you. Notre Dame. There's a play there where he's not dressed on the sideline and they're like running over Notre Dame and he's just like smiling on the sideline like some psychopath. That's what you kind of want. I think that's what you want in Lane Dixon. But Elijah Vera build Tucker is absurd too. On a massive Alabama offensive line, he's just like he's built like a fridge. Like he's just from top to bottom is one uh, width. His waist is as wide as his shoulders. It's a crazy build. I could dream for that review. Yeah. Elijah Vera Tucker is the cream of the we crop. We do a lot of build scouting along the offensive line. Last Who year it was Jonah Jackson. This year it's Lynn Dickerson. What about Deontay Brown's build? The, Deontay the, Brown. The guard for the, He's the Michelin man. That's the build he's got. <laughs> All right, let's move through the defense now. Defensive interior, Christian Barmore of Alabama. Arguably had the two best two-game stretch of any prospect this season in the playoffs. And Lee McNeil of NC State. Love that he's at two ahead of Levi and Wuzurike. I love McNeil a lot. Uh, and then you have Marvin Wilson of Florida State, who really fell down draft boards this season. To just did not live up to the hype after you know having a really That's dominant awesome. underclassman campaign in 2019. Did not live up to the hype in 2020. And then you have Davion Nixon of Iowa at five, who yeah. right now is being mocked a ton in the first round. Let's start there. What don't yeah. you see in Davion Nixon? I just don't see. He's got the physical traits, but like he's not more athletic than Levi and Wuzurike, who's three on this list. Like he's not. I don't see Fletcher Cox-esque physical traits. Like he's not a special athlete for the position. I don't even see like some of the like uh, Neville Gallimore last year, who was you know I don't think he's going to test to that level of freakiness. He's definitely a plus athlete, but not to that level. And then not a lot of pass rushing moves. Like he has a physical. He plays physical. Like he, he plays the way you want. He has that attitude, but he's not. He's not even close to a polished product. And he's also fourth year of college. Like he's a. He, one year at JUCO or two years at JUCO and then two years at Iowa. Like he's, I don't know. I, I just expected more with the hype he was getting throughout the year and like getting, being on the awards list for the Buckus or not the Buckus Award, the was the Bednarik Award. I, I didn't see near that. Like he's just he's a solid player, but that's like a day th- that's like a third rounder in my book. Edge defender, hot take there. Edge defender, we have weakens your defensive line class too. We'll get we'll we'll rank the classes at the end of all this. Nice. Um, edge defender, Quiddy Pay at one of Michigan. There's there's a rumor that we might be getting Quiddy Pay on the podcast. It's a rumor right now. I'll see if it can get confirmed. Number two, we have Gregory Russo of Miami. Number three, Jason Owe at Penn State, one of my favorites. I also really like Aziz Ojulari, the Georgia edge defender. You have at four, and then Boogie Basham, Carlos Basham of Wake Forest at five. I think. My take here is of all these guys, considering where they're currently being mocked, the guys I want are Owe and Ojulari. Because Pei and Russo are getting mocked high, and they both could be very good. They're toolsy, traits-driven prospects who don't have elite production, quitty pay better than Russo. Mm-hmm. But if I could get Owe or Ojulari at the top of round two, maybe back end of round one, I really like that value compared to maybe where Russo and Pei end up going. Yeah. Pei is what? He's top... He's like 15th on the draft board or something like that. Russo I guess, scares me, man. I guess with this edge class, I, I would be scared to draft him. Like, I think he is that talented. I think he's that good. But one year of college, and then was the guy who won more on the interior than on the edge. And, yeah, that's nice to have at the NFL level. You can kick him inside in third downs. But I think we saw with Jadavian Clowney this year that it's you'd rather have a guy you don't have to scheme a role for. Mm-hmm. You don't have to kind of change your defense up to get – him his one-on-ones you you'd love to just have a guy who will just going to win from the outside and you don't really have to think about it too much uh so yeah if you're telling me like russo at at pick 15 where i can get because it's a really deep edge class or i can get someone like jalen phillips in the second round even though he has his off field whatever worry about his concussions um i'd probably rather have phillips in the second round yeah it's it's an interesting edge class because i do think gregor russo could get could get drafted that highly because he's this freak but he, you really like how long I 
if there's no combine, he's going to be the one of the guys that I'm the saddest that I don't get to see because I think he's going to check in with like 37 inch arms. Oh guy, no, yeah, his length and his speed and all that yeah. is just nuts. So, and honestly, I mean, we're not. Helps. He's ranked as high as he is on our board for a reason. No, because yeah. that length and that athleticism is rare. But you have to know going and in, it makes your life so much easier. Yeah, it just it it is easier to beat blocks when you it's like a boxer mm-hmm. when you have long ass arms. And you can beat the guy to the punch. It just makes your life easier. But you have to know going in that in year one, you're probably going to have to scheme a role for him largely. Yeah, yeah. And then if you can, you have to trust your position coaches, et cetera, to develop him into a better player in the NFL. Because he's not – you can't say he's done yet. While some of these other guys are already putting up really good numbers, I don't know how much better Carlos Basham Jr. is going to get That's a lot of this edge class, though. It's a lot of guys where, yeah. like, you're going to have to – you're going to have to teach them a lot. They yep. might, might not be ready, but there's a lot of good athletes in this class. Linebacker, you have Micah Parsons, obviously, at number one of Penn State. Then you have Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa of Notre Dame at two, Nick Bolton of Missouri at three, Zayvon Collins of Tulsa at four, and Chad Surratt uh, at five from North Carolina. This is an interesting group because I think you could play all these guys at different positions. <laughs> I think the two that are most similar are maybe Zayvon Collins and Chad Surratt playing a similar role in the NFL. Hmm. But like Owusu Koromo, you're going to probably want on the outside, uh, like playing outside linebacker slot type of stuff. Micah Parsons, I've heard playing him more on the edge. You want. Oh yeah. You, I, I, some, some want to play him more on the edge. And he, he, I think he's open to that as well. I'm interested to see that. Is, is Micah Parsons as an edge defender, the best edge defender in this group? Yeah. Wow. Like that, I, say, I yeah. think that in of itself pl- tells me I need to find a role for him where he can play along the edge. That's why I think he's getting hated on unnecessarily. It's one of those like out of sight, out of mind things, but like, he is truly a different breed physically than, and like, and when you watch him blitz, rush the passer, he could he could do that at a high level in the NFL. Like you, that's why I said I think you take him first in this edge class. I really do. Do you do you know the backstory on Micah Parsons recruiting? I don't. I've heard he was. I mean, there is some like off-field red flags though. Like he was. There are some off-field red flags. I, this isn't bringing up those. I don't know the specifics okay. on those. But Michael Parsons was going to go to Ohio State. They recruited him hard, mm. but in the recruiting process, he was there the same weekend in Columbus where game day was there, and they you know brought him on set and they introduced him to Kirk Herbstreet and, and and different guys there. But there's a rule in NCAA recruiting where you can do a lot of things, <laughs> but you can't on a recruiting trip introduce them to media for whatever reason. Oh. You can't like you can't introduce them to media. So they had to voluntarily pull out. Ohio State had to voluntarily pull out of Micah Parsons' recruitment to avoid mm. like sanctions or whatever. And that's where he went ultimately going to Penn State. So he should have been at Ohio State, but they screwed the pooch there. Out. All right. Cornerback, Caleb Farley at one of Virginia Tech. This cornerback class is interesting. I, I kind of want to have a conversation here. But Caleb Farley at one of Virginia Tech. Patrick Sertan at two uh, of Alabama there. And then J.C. Horn, South Carolina at three. Asante Samuel Jr., four from Florida State. And then Tyson Campbell at five, the guy from Georgia. I think Caleb Farley, so some people are having the conversation between Sertan and Farley. I don't think it flips for me. Watching a lot of Sertan back, like – you there's two routes against Ohio State where he goes up against Chris Olave, and you see guys that have polish, guys that can run routes, can turn past Sertan. You know, there, there, you still see some of these concerns that you saw with Trayvon Dix. He's better than Trayvon Dix. I get that. But like a long, not elite athlete. That's the thing. Like, you, 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 I don't think, does he crack 4-5? Does he crack going to the high 4-4s? Four I don't know. And that I think you have enough concerns for to where I, I like Farley, that prototype type of guy, Freaks list, athlete, long. And then I have Sertan. And then after that, I think you have a, a different conversation with who's the third, fourth best guy. Sertan's very good. Like, I'm not, not, uh, I don't want to act like I'm hating on him. Like, I just feel like we're low on a little bit, a lot of these Alabama guys. I'm not, not trying to hate on Alabama guys, but like, when you're not that elite level of athlete, it's just going to show up more at the NFL level. When you're, and, and it already showed on some go balls. I think Josh Palmer from Tennessee. Yeah, got that's him. the other game where you turn on the Tennessee tape. Josh Palmer was on him. Yeah. And so give me the guy that has the same length, same size, maybe not as polished, but then runs the 4 3 5 like Caleb Farley. And still is like pretty damn good in terms of his ball skills and a lot of the other things. So yeah, I, I still am going to lean Farley, but. Sertan's good. Like, no, Sertan's still very good. I just don't think 
I'm not willing to put him over Farley or even yeah. really have the conversation. And then oh, I think J.C. Horn we is just also... just had the conversation. Well, so we did just have the conversation. Late. Damn it. I think J.C. Horn's very good. I like having him over Asante Samuel Jr. because it's more likely that he plays on the outside. And then you obviously have Tyson Campbell there, who's another toolsy guy that got beat a ton. But he's he's probably a better athlete than Sertan. Like, I I think Tyson Campbell is is, is pretty rare in that regard. He is, he's got some special, special traits. Uh I, I think Samuel still plays on the outside, though. You really? said Horn more likely plays outside. You can move him inside. To me, he reminds me a lot of just watching him the way he plays the game. Brent Grimes. Ooh. Hopefully, he comes without Miko. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> but you never know. Um, but yeah, Asante That's Samuel, I, I, I think he can be that type of guy in your defense. And peak Brent Grimes is pretty damn good. So. Do you remember Brent Grimes got the nickname Optimus Grimes when he shut down Megatron in like a game? I do not. That's kind of dope, was great. though. It but was he, great. he also had one of the coolest interceptions yes. ever, real early on in his career. I think that was was that against Megatron. Where he just flew. I think that's where he earned the name. Was it? Maybe it was. I don't know. I was but, like ten. But that's that's gonna be the comp in the draft guy. That's hot. Right. All right, safety. Last one here, and then we'll close out the podcast. Trayvon Morg of TCU at one. Then you got our Darius Washington of TCU at two. At three, Hamza Najaldeen, Florida State. Four, Elijah Molden. Calling him a safety, I think, is fair. Play is probably going to play, you know, slot safety role in the NFL. And then um, you have Andre Cisco at five, which is honestly a damn shame because he should be at five, but he is so much more fun than the five rank. I mean, he is an absolute roller coaster in every way, shape, and form. Could he's the Marcus Peters of the safety position? That's a great. That's a great take. He could run in the four threes. Like he is that fast. His top line speed is nuts. He's going to at least run in the low four fours. He's an interesting prospect. Uh, I, I'm excited about the safety group. There are some guys here that like you you could have some fun with in the defense. Yeah, I, I, there's a lot of interesting guys. I, I, I'm i still a fan of the safety class. I think it's one of the better classes uh, defensively uh, in terms of position groups, which we'll talk about at the end here. Um, but there's no real guy. Like, Morrig's the closest, and I still don't think he's – like a perfect prospect by any means. I don't think he goes top 15. I'd probably draft him somewhere in the 20s. But there's no real, like, Jamal Adams in this class, Derwin James. There's no no one like that. But I do think day two, there's going to be a lot of guys that I would love. I'd love to stockpile in this safety class in terms of the different buy types you can get. I think that's a, that's a very good take. I mean, Elijah Molden, arguably the best slot corner in this class. Like, from a production standpoint, he is. Like, he was dominant in the slot. For Washington, I, I'm excited about you know potentially adding him to a defense. And you, I, just like we talked about with the Bucks, just invest in the secondary, man. Grab these different guys. You need to get better in coverage. We said it at the top of the podcast. The best teams in the NFL stop the pass and throw the football well. Investing in some of these guys on day two, like a Molden, like a Cisco, that's where you want to be. Let's now I just watch that Baron Grimes pick. It was against Drew Brees back in 09. Oh wow, that was, was the insane. highest I've, I think I've ever seen anyone jump on a football field. He was. <laughs> flying in this i need to see that you gotta check it out all right all right well let's rank the strength of classes here i'll let you take the rank. all right so the strength of the classes this is like the position groups historically how strong these ones these positions are and it's a good year for the passing quarterbacks this is a relatively historically good class in my humble opinion quarterbacks great like this is a very good quarterback class take one of those top guys then wide receiver then offensive tackle i think and I'd say interior off the line is net four here. I'd say those are very, very like classes that you don't see once every five, four or five years. Now, wide receiver, we just saw one last year, but like I don't think if you go and go ahead and look maybe a little bit towards twenty twenty two, there ain't a lot of talent. Like we've we catch everyone loves to say, oh, you say that every year about this class, that class. No, twenty twenty two is not going to be. It does not look like a good wide receiver class on paper. This is the one you want to take part of. So. Wide receiver, OT, interior off the line. And I think there's kind of a gap. Those are the classes that you want to get in on. And then edge, safety, linebacker, cornerback, tight end, running back, and then defensive tackle is dead last. It's a bad defense tackle class. Cornerback that low is too, is also concerning because you want to see, you know, when you're looking to draft position, yeah. high positional value in the first round, you want to see some guys in, in the first round. Which Where's the line for first round caliber corners here? Is it is it Farley and Sertan and that's it? Would you take Horn at the back end of the probably first? Horn and yeah, that's probably it. Then Samuel is just kind of outside, just kind of top of the second round. And Darion Kendrick was what top thirty on our board before he decided to return to school. Yeah, uh, I, oh man, this, the returning to school thing could be a bitch this year. Seniors have until like March, March, and to say which I think speaks volumes to there being no combine. 
Yeah. Like if you're saying seniors don't have to, you know, commit to the NFL or going back to school until March, like you're not going to hold a combine, are you? Like I, I can't imagine no. you would. Yeah. I saw that article that came out recently saying like it's they're gonna pretty much do everything to not do one, you know, have a lot of remote stuff. I think you're gonna see a lot of guys running four ones, four twos this year. Elijah Holyfield comes out in this class, probably runs like a four four. Like honestly, that's probably where he's at. <laughs> God damn. That was still Bonkers. What was it four nine? I think it was like Something. a four eight, four nine. Just, and then his pro day ran like a four seven five. I was like, oh bet. It was like the stiffest forty also I've ever seen. Pretty brutal. Brutal to see. All right, that's gonna do it for the Monday episode of Two for One Drafts. We'll be back Wednesday morning with the next episode. What are we talking about Wednesday, Mike? Let's get a little tease going. What are we talking about Wednesday? I think Wednesday I we got we might have that. to run through another mock. Seth Galina mm-hmm. dropped his mock draft on PFF.com today. We could rip that to pieces. It was just LSU's entire team. LSU's entire team goes in the first round. And the Saints round. had all the first round picks. <laughs> Somehow Crazy Mickey Lewis works. pulled off the steal of the class. Yeah. <laughs> no, maybe we'll go over Seth Galina's mock draft, do some of that, um, see if some other people drop some mock drafts. I think it's time to get another consensus. You know, especially now as four new picks are locked in. Let's get another consensus, see where people are at on mock drafts. Until next time, Asa Gale, Mike Renner, 2 for 1 Jackson.